Carnivorous couch, shit happens once a week It swallows us for two hours when we try to sleep It forces us to watch a film about which we then speak Carnivorous couch With Brady and Rob Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Carnivorous Couch, the spoiler-full podcast where <laughs> we do a, a film a week from two film geeks. I'm Rob. I'm Brady. Yes, and uh, this week we did the 1998 film What Dreams May Come, starring the dearly departed Robin Williams, and this was our pick. Yeah, dearly, dearly departed. So, uh, as always, we start off with the plot synopsis, right? Uh, Yeah. I think you're fit for this because uh, this is a movie that Rob had seen, uh, well, I don't want to say how many times, but more times than I had because this was my first I time. I saw it in the theaters when it came out. Oh, okay. And had you seen it? And I saw it when I was working at Bank of the West on, uh, what was it, like a Sunday or something where I could kind of watch movies because there weren't that many calls and I just had to work on the, uh, the no, it was a Saturday, but there weren't that many calls. Okay. <laughs> so anyway... Yeah, because that's tech support. And stuff like that. So this film starts off... Hey, Brady, can you give me a a hi-hi? Hi-hi. This film starts off... uh, Let me see. They're meeting. Uh, Robin Williams' character, Chris, meets his wife's character on a sailboat in Italy... Or Switzerland, uh, yeah. And his wife's character's name is, uh, it's not Chris, is it Cat? No, is it? Is it Annie? Annie, yeah. Annie! As he says once, which kind of sticks in my head. Um, so anyway, uh, they meet, he bumps, his sailboat bumps into her sailboat, and, uh, they're trying to figure out which way to go, and they realize they both speak English, and later on they have a picnic. Uh, and this cuts right to, uh, an egg being cracked in a pan. And uh, they're married now, and they have two kids. And uh, then they kind of whisk the kids away, and there's this minivan that's driving away, and he's just kind of waving, and he goes, like, that was the last time I saw them alive. Not in a British accent, but, uh, you know, very solemn. I chose yeah. British accent for the very solemnness. Um, and then it cuts to a funeral, kind of a stereotypical funeral thing, where it's like, uh, wearing a veil, everybody's very sad. Uh, just cuts back and forth between the caskets. That's a kind of a weird thing where it goes into the caskets and shows the kids lying there, uh, unmaimed. Uh, well, you know, obviously the uh, morgue guy did a good job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, it would have been good to have November Rain playing over it. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, um, then we go from there to uh, he's practicing medicine several years later. I think four years later. I mean, I got the feeling he always was a doctor, like that was his path, and she was always an artist. Right. But I'm just going by what happened. Oh, yeah, no, that, uh, so the yeah. next thing, I think it's we four years later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, uh, you know, there's some kids around. There's a kid drawing uh, a pea stream coming from a painting on the back wall of not necessarily a doctor's office. I don't know. It seemed it was kind of a weird place for him to be doing an examination. Because it seemed very public, not like a normal doctor's office. Uh, uh, maybe yeah. it was like a house call doctor or something. In no, this no, case, it work call. Because he had no, but I mean, like a work call doctor. He was at somebody's work or something like that. 
Uh, Look at taking a look at their kid or something. I don't. I don't I, know why he was doing I think that. He there. was in a hospital with like a waiting room that had mural paintings on the wall. Oh, okay, maybe it was that. But anyway, uh, he heals a kid. At the same time, he's getting a phone call from his wife, who's like freaking out about what shows she should put in an art show. And he's just like, uh, and he like, you know, while he's looking at her X-rays, he snaps up like uh, some some transparencies of the paintings, and he's like, "How about this one? This one? This one? And yours? This one? Uh, that's cool. I get them from the gallery on the way home from work. Keep breathing like this. Keep breathing like this. Ah, uh, you feel better. You have migraines. Uh, so, anyways, basically, very good at taking care of people. I think is what we're supposed to get from that scene. Yeah. And then we go from there to uh, he's going to go pick up the paintings. He gets out of his car to go try to help somebody because there's been a big accident car pile up, and then a car comes flying over the car behind him, and uh, then he's dead. Basically, and it's just like this voiceover of Cuba Gooding Jr. going, hey, do you know what's happening, Chris? You're dead. Like, you died. This is your funeral and blah, blah, blah. And there's some times where he's kind of trying to talk to his still alive wife, even though he's dead. And it's kind of freaking her out because she can hear him because they're really well connected. And uh, then he goes into the afterlife, which happens to be one of his wife's paintings of their their ideal place to live and their ideal place to be. And he's like running through it, and uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. is kind of showing him how um, how the uh, afterlife works, uh, and like goes like, "Well, you can imagine this. You can, you know, you're in. It's kind of like dual control. I can create shit because I'm guiding you, and but mostly you can just create your your own world." And then after that, uh, we have some talk with him. I think at this point, Cuba Gooding Jr.'s character reveals that he is his uh, doctor guy, uh, his mentor from when he was in med school. Um, and after that, he goes like, oh, I need to go address something else that's going on in the afterlife because I'm a worker in afterlife. And uh, then we see this uh, Asian woman. Um, sorry, that I didn't want to say Asian woman, but... What, what part's offensive, Asian or woman? I, I don't know how that's... Okay, so uh, she tells a story about how she was once, when she was alive, on an airplane, and her father was with her saying how he always thought Oriental women or Asian women, I can't remember which word he used, were so beautiful and full of grace. And well, it's kind of a weird stereotype here, but, you know, it was the 90s. Um, and uh, that she modeled herself after this because her father said that at this point in time, we realized, oh, that's his daughter who decided to look like an... Uh, Asia, Air, Asia, Malaysian, American, um, uh, a, uh, help me out here. Airlines. I'm trying to say Asian Airlines. Oh, there we okay. go. Asian Airlines uh, stewardess. Uh, because one time her dad said she, he thought Asian women were great. Um. <laughs> yes, that is <laughs> that, what happened. That is what happened, right? Okay, I'm not making this up. This is what happened. No, he's not. And then after that, he comes back and he's going to talk to. Uh, I guess it's Albert. Uh, who he believes is the uh, his doctor mentor guy, and he goes, um, uh, Annie died. Annie killed herself, and he goes like, "Great, when can I see her?" <laughs> I mean, not great, but uh, when can I see her? He's like, "Well, the, they go to a different place when they kill themselves because people can't deal with, uh, you know, what they've done to themselves, so they kind of just live in their own hell because they can't deal with it." And it's like, so they're being punished? Well, it's like, it's not that they're punished. It's just that they, they don't even know they're dead and they're unwilling to accept what they've done. So he goes like, okay, well, I'm going to go get them. And he goes like, well, you are soulmates and you're communicating between life and death through the paintings. It's incredibly rare, but uh, 
no, you, you don't want to do that because you're just going to get sucked in and, and, and you're not going to make it out. And he goes like, fuck, fuck you, I'm doing it. Um, and then so they go get this other guy who's like a, I guess we can say a, a bounty hunter guide, the, the guy who can guide you through Dante's hell. Yeah, played by noted Swedish actor Max von Sydow. Yeah. So anyway, uh, we go with this guy. We go on a boat, I guess, across the River Styx. Uh, and at one point, Cuba Gooding Jr. is going to run. Well, we're, we're on a boat. There's a, a lot of water we're and dead. Boat. Well, I guess. Isn't it like they're running? They uh, they row through and the water's full of dead people. And the right. dead people are trying to overtake them. And Right, yes. It's very much like that scene in uh, uh, Harry Potter. Uh, with the with the whites in the water, but um, mm-hmm. whites spelled W I G H T S, not W I T E S. God, this already sounds real racist. I'm just explaining what happened, okay? Um, <laughs> so yeah, because a white is a creature. Uh, it's I know it's in the D and D manual of monsters that I have somewhere in this house. Um, so we can look that up if we need to, uh, if any listeners are confused. If you are confused, uh, maybe you should be, but tweet us at C-A-R-N-Y couch on Twitter and go like, hey, I'm confused. You guys are confusing and I don't like you. And then we'll try to dissuade you and say, hey, like us, uh, don't be confused. So anyway, they go and, uh, they finally get to the land and then, uh, the Cuba Gooding Jr. character is going to run into this fucking thing of, like, psycho whatever and blah, blah, blah. And then we have this flashback to uh, Robin Williams talking to his son because his son's all pissed off because he thinks he's going to pull him out of school because he's not getting good grades. And then, then you know, it's a little heart-touching scene there. And uh, at a certain point in time, uh, then he, like, comes out of it and he goes, is your, your mom's not in there! Because he realizes that that's not his mentor, that that is his son, actually. And he chose to look like his mentor because he thought his dad would listen to him. Yes. Uh, so, anyway, uh, that was kind of unnecessary, but they did that in this movie. They did do that. And then, so after that, they find the place, and right before he's about to go in, uh, that actor. Oh, uh, Max von Sydow? Yeah, Max von Sydow uh, reveals that uh, he is actually his mentor and that he chose to be white because more credence or i don't know why he so at some point max von Sydow must have been looking at cuba Gooding jr being like hmm i looked good <laughs> exactly uh so anyway he goes like look it's gonna be incredible incredibly difficult don't stay in there for more than like three minutes or something like there like that. So then Robin Williams goes in for three minutes, tries to convince Annie. He pretends to be somebody else. And then, like, she freaks out and goes, like, Go away! Go away! And so, like, he comes outside and he talks about He's like, You're right. It is really tough. Uh, I was just coming out to say, uh, You know, bye, because I'm going to go do this thing. Uh, I'm going to be in hell if she's going to be in hell. And then he goes back in and he's able to convince her. I don't know. We'll get into that part later. And then. Flash forward, they're in the afterlife uh, with their kids and their dog. Oh, yeah, the dog is there, too. And also there was a scene on the Asian stewardess scene that uh, that flashes back to him playing chess with his daughter when she's very sick, um, which I left out. But anyway, now I've said it. So, yeah, then they're back in heaven, and I go, you want to go roundy round on the merry-go-round again? 
and they go like, yeah, yeah, let's let's go do life again. Life is but an instant for people who are here. So then they theoretically do that, and they meet as two kids uh, on a dock playing with toy boats, and uh, the girl kid uh, sinks the boy Robin Williams' boat, and uh, then he kind of cries, but then she kind of laughs at him, and then they share a sandwich. That's the plot synopsis. I did it as fast as I could. How fast was that? Damn, that was 12 minutes. And that was like with me just like going as fast as I could. No, yeah. It, these things vary. It's always interesting to see uh, yeah, the, <laughs> the variations between time. And sometimes it's a long movie that ends up being short. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if we did The Godfather one day and it was like an eight-minute synopsis. Yeah. And yeah. yet this movie, 12 minutes. Right. Well, there's a lot of little scenes in there. Uh, I think possibly that is because the uh, the movie's a little convoluted, but um, let's go back and do our segment. Well, let's not go back and do our segment, but let's go forward and do our segment. Hey, 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 how do we like it? Brady, how did you like this movie? Um, You know what? Like, I know I'm going to rip a lot of baby hearts out on this one, especially with the nearness of the death of a beloved uh, acting and comedic icon. And this is nothing to slight Robin Williams because uh, he actually is the least of my problems with this. Um, but I didn't love it. Uh, for as much as it has ambition and I think it does have a heart in the right place, it's one of those things that's just so put together in such a muddy, perfume ad kind of a way that it just kind of loses coherence. And so for me... What is a muddy perfume ad? Is it like... like Calvin Klein, the scent of horse manure. Yeah, I mean, that is kind of <laughs> the way I mean it. Like, it cuts erratically, and, you know, I'm all for people doing interesting things and playing interesting kind of film jazz with uh, the way they edit. Uh, but in the end, you do have to criticize the work for what ends up on the screen. That's what in, pushes the In the, the end, art you forward. have to be good at it. Yeah, in the <laughs> end, you have to be good at it. Uh, I don't know if the director edited it or if it was more the editor himself, herself. In fact, I don't know who the editor is. <laughs> Sorry. But uh, yeah, something about this was just a little soupy. And basically, I think the scene with him finally coaxing his wife out of hell is very well done and very vivid. But the I stuff, think, leading, up the stuff that, leading up to that in, in hell and stuff is, is really interesting, too. It's I mean, except for those little things that they put in where it's like, I'm actually your son. I'm actually your mentor. Ah, that part was stupid. But. Yeah, all those things, including the daughter, and they all come out of left field, like screaming out of left they field. They didn't want you to see it coming. And in this case, it's not a good thing because it's not so ingenious that I'm like, why didn't I think about that? It's like more, okay, I guess you can do that. Uh, anyway, I'm going to give this a C slash C+. It's, it's a muddy movie for all that it has trying to go for it. It, it has a good heart, but it's, it's just not a well-made movie, in my opinion. Yeah, that's how I felt it. Like, um, we'll get more into this later. What I mean by this, but it kind of seemed like he was trying to create his own cinemagraphic language to explain this very, very interesting idea of the afterlife, um, and kind of depict life as like a soul floating by, looking at it, as opposed to you know uh, rooted in the uh, body of any one character. So he tried to create this whole new cinematographic, lang cinematographic language, and there's probably very few filmmakers who could do that, especially, you know, not until they'd made a bunch of movies 
with the conventions and blah blah blah. And I don't know how many movies this guy made or anything like that. So I'm not I'm not saying that. But you know, like I don't know if Spielberg could do that. I think Kubrick could do it. Uh, I don't know. I think uh, Francis Ford Coppola could do it, or maybe has done it because there was a lot, a little bit of that going on in Apocalypse Now, except not the entire movie. <laughs> Nicholas Rogue could do it. Who's that? He's a really great British director who actually could chop in crazy variations, but stay anchored. Uh, and he did the David Bowie movie, The Man Who Fell to Earth. Oh, right, that guy. Uh, yeah, there are some people who could do it, very few. And no offense to this director, he had a very, very ambitious project. It did not come out like he would want it to, but all the same, still some very valuable, interesting ideas yeah. uh, were floating around there, and, uh, you know, ca- uh, occasionally a cohesive one. Yeah, I yeah. think every director should be showing up to do that, and I, it's kind of like this sad thing that, like, they all have to take their swing, and not all of them are at the same level of just intuitive editing genius. Like, so this guy isn't Kubrick, but I, I do respect him for trying to do something his own way, uh, even if I didn't always feel that that fit or necessarily was in service of the story. Right. So anyway, I'm going to give it a, a B-. minus. Fair enough. Uh, okay, let's... Uh, what, do, what should we... Should we talk more about it, or should we take a break and do our understudy and then... Yeah, I think let's uh, take a break. Okay. Come back. We're so sorry we couldn't get the actors to do the scene from this screenplay, but we've got two understudies, and to be honest, they're probably more famous anyway. So try to catch the actors, try to guess the movies. Tweet us at C A R N Y Couch. This game called Understudy is happening. Happening, happening, right now. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, good evening, Sir Charles. Good evening, Mr. Barry. Have you done with my lady? Pardon. C- come, sir. I'm a man who would rather not be uh, a cuckold than a fool. I think, Sir Charles, you've had too much to drink. Barry. What? As it happens, your chaplain, Mr. Runt, introduced me to your lady to advise me on a religious matter of which she is an expert. He wants to step into my shoes. He wants to step into my shoes. It is uh, not a pleasure for me as I am drawing near this goal to find my home such a, a happy one, my wife so fond of me that she is... Now, even thinking of appointing a successor, isn't it uh, a comfort to see her like a prudent housewife getting everything ready for my departure? I hope you're not thinking of leaving us, Sir Charles. Not so soon as you may fancy, perhaps. Uh, I was, uh, I've been getting over many times these four years, and there was always a a candidate or two waiting to apply for the situation. I'm sorry for you, Mr. Barry, but it grieves me to keep you or any other gentleman waiting. Uh, had you not better arrange with my doctor or uh, have the cook flavor my omelet with arsenic? Uh, what are the odds, gentlemen, that I live to see Mr. Barry hang yet? Sir, let loose. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sir. 
Let those laugh that win. Have some brandy, Sir Charles. That was undecided. Tweet us your answer at C-A-R-N-Y Cow. What's it all about, Rip Burger? Uh, so, Brady, what's this movie all about? What's it all about? I mean, this is the part that's not very difficult to come up with. I it's mean, about the afterlife. And yeah, death. This, this movie very clearly. Reincarnation. Yeah, it's about, I mean, if I have any criticism in this segment, it's that it's maybe not about any one way of looking at death particularly, or not that that's a fault, but that it's it doesn't feel quite committal to me. Like, it's just like, well, maybe we all get to do life again. Or maybe hell is like this circle where you're stuck forever. Or maybe this or maybe that. And it's it kind of, I guess, in the way that it's about it, is contributing to the muddle of the film. Because to me, it is a muddle. But yes, it is about theories of the afterlife and what happens to us after we pass. Yeah, quite. And um, and, and like I said before, I, I, I think that this is very much about you know trying to reflect upon the memories of life from the um, the viewpoint of the uh, wandering bodiless soul, right? Because, like, you know, when you're on that astral plane out there uh, in the atmosphere with drops of Jupiter in your hair, um, you don't really view things from the standpoint of a body, right? Right. You, uh, you view things just kind of in clippy snippets, like, you remember the egg frying, so let's, let's latch onto that. That's how we, that's how we go to this, this place, and then... You remember kind of just being there and around, and uh, nobody's really centered in the frame very much in that opening breakfast scene, as I, I showed. And then it does do some canned sort of things, but it's like, you know, where it's just like a, a cross back and forth. There were several over-the-shoulder shots, I think, when we're like flashing back to him. Uh, it, like his, his wife is just in so much despair after the two children have died that like she can't get out of it, and like... They do this over-the-shoulder scene, and I mean, it was probably just very blatantly to make her seem small and him seem big. He's the strong, he's the rock, and I think that's probably how it went. I remember, I mostly remember noting, uh, that's not a typical over-the-shoulder. Their head, because I remember taking film classes and being criticized for like, uh, no, that over-the-shoulder's not quite right. You got to get the heads the same size. Oh, well, there was a wall there, so I couldn't. Dick. <laughs> but um, they're like, yeah, yeah, you got to build a breakout wall and build a. S- yeah, you gave me three days to do this assignment. You gave me a shitty cheap. C- I you didn't give me a jigsaw to you know cut out a block of the wall and then some spackle and patch it back up. And it, that what's that gummy shit you use to patch walls? Well, you know what I mean. Oh no. They're coming for me. I heard a thump from above us. Uh, anyway, uh, there's not much to say about what it's all about. It's basically about the afterlife and about your relationship to your past life and possibly your future life. However, one thing I would say is what the fuck with... Okay, so the two kids are going to stay behind and work in the afterlife like they do. And then they're going to go have another... Th- what if they have kids? Then do the kids get called out of the afterlife and they're always their kids or do they have two other kids? And now it's kind of like, well, those are my kids from a previous life. And also, is this his first life? So, like, you know, didn't he have other lives? And why isn't he, like, flashing back to those? 
or maybe he didn't have other lives and this is his first life, but well, presumably they're just reenacting fake lives like for the, fun in the span of eternity, like actors do. Yeah, it's it's muddled. I don't know what to tell you. It's muddled. Yeah, it's a nice theory. L- like I said, I think this movie was all about that third bit, which is all very interesting and thought provoking. The hell actually, bit. Yeah, the hell bit. And actually, hell yeah, bit. about. <coughs> <coughs> Sorry. Um, once you start coughing, you can't stop. <laughs> Hell bit. Right. Uh, it's a very particular kind of drill bit that makes the job horrible. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, I think... What the hell was I going to say? I think the, the, the it seemed like this movie was written uh, from the standpoint of Here's this third pit where he has to go in and like take her out of Dante's Inferno because she killed herself and she doesn't know she's in hell. But it's not like a judgment thing. Let's make that clear. It's not a judgment thing. It's just uh, she can't deal with what she did to herself. So that's why she's in hell. Not because uh, she's a bad person or whatever. I mean, yeah, I guess. All right. So we're And then they threw in all the other stuff like the, the first life, the opening, the meeting, the kids dying, the blah, 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 the guy being this and that because, you know, some Hollywood scriptwriter got this cool idea and the uh the director uh i guess allowed that to happen and it got written that way or made that way yeah i mean if we're out of the uh synopsis and the grading and the thematic portion i guess if we're talking about that scene where it's explained why she's in hell and that you know uh, yeah and that's an interesting uh, interesting idea that it's not damnation but sort of like this is an interesting souls idea uh, one of the Christian ideas is that hell is not fire and brimstone, but rather the psychological torment of being apart from God or being apart from oneself, being un- unable to deal with oneself. That's a good idea, but the way that scene is acted where Cuba Gooding Jr. explains it is terrible to me. Terrible. Why is it terrible? Uh, I, I mostly blame Gooding Jr., but it's always hard not to blame the director when a scene is acted a certain way, so I don't know who's to blame, but Cuba Gooding Jr.'s emotional radar is all over the map. So sometimes it's like he's yelling at Robin Williams, even though he's supposed to be comfortingly telling him about it. He's like, no, souls don't get damned! Like, he, he acts that really weird. That's pretty good. Uh, wh- why do you think that you feel this way about this particular scene? Because it's, it's a very sticky Cuba Gooding Jr. performance, that can't zero in on a single emotion. Like, one emotion would be that, as hard as this is to explain, I should be, especially since I'm actually his son, trying to comfort and ease him into the idea of what's actually happened instead of acting kind of angry. Cuba Gooding plays that scene angry. And how does that make you feel? Angry. No, <laughs> no, no, it just makes it feel tonally jarring. Or, like, the, uh, the director was more interested in... I don't know, vague visual ideas, which is weird to say because I don't like his visual sense of this movie, but more focused on that than acting. I will say I don't think this is a well-acted movie. Williams is the best part of it, and he's not particularly good. Uh, It's all very interesting. What's your relationship like with your mother? It's pretty good. I saw her this weekend at a wedding. No, I was just fucking with you because all the time I was leading you through that discussion, I was, well, anyway, uh, listen back to it. You'll get the joke. I thought it was funny. Oh, sorry. I hope you're all laughing. All of you. Yeah, no, you know, that, that scene didn't actually drive me that nuts. I just kind of went like, well, because I, I'd seen it before, and I knew that it was his son. And so, like, the son's just as emotional as he is, and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, kind of just... Yeah, I guess it, it at least makes sense that he's not emotional. Really, yeah, yeah. 
and then, yeah, but I mean, it, w- it wasn't good. And it was also very shortcutted because you'd think that there would, like, <coughs> when you have this sort of, like, uh, moral or just, like, we're soulmates, that's it, I'm going, and it's just, like, so curt like that, and there's no, like, dilemma of, like, Oh, my soul, eternal damnation. Like, there's no back and forth there. It's just like, oh, a Johnny one note of, yeah, okay, well, I'm going. You don't understand. You can't, yeah, okay, I'm going. It's just like on a yes roll, like, I'm going to go. And it's just like, uh, it's almost, it's almost like Cuba Gooding's trying to motivate him to go by being angry about the fact that he's angry about the thing. Yeah. But it's, he's already agreeing with him. <laughs> the scene could have either used, as you stated, some self-doubt on William's part or a little more resistance on Gooding's part. Right. And there was just a, a lack of uh, motivational conflict there because it's just like, you don't understand hell's bad. Yeah, I know it's bad. I'm going anyway. All right. If you're going to go, well, just, you know, understand that hell's bad. Yes, I know. OK, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's pretty much it. Um, let me see. Uh, but I did like I did like the you know I like the painting and I like the uh, running around in the afterlife and sinking in the paint and then sometimes being able to walk over the paint and you know the reality is what you make of it sort of aspect of it that's something it was about too right uh yeah I suppose even though then I thought it was weird but it was like the Cuba Gooding Jr. character is like oh except me I get to control things too well he works in heaven. <laughs> it's not his fault. He just works there. He just works there. But does he control multiple people or just his father? Uh, is this like child revenge? Like, no, now I control you. Right. Like Robin Williams is trying to <laughs> masturbate in heaven. Is like, oh, sorry. I just put a bunch of baseball thoughts into your head. So no. Now we're going to go play bocce ball. No more whacking off today, father. Because <laughs> remember that one time you caught me in the bathroom? Father. Yeah, so um, I don't know. What else should we talk about? Okay, so what were we last talking about? Oh, yeah, so her going to... No more no more masturbating. No more masturbating, That was yeah. literally like five seconds so ago. No, no, I can't like, believe we forgot that. Do you, did you own a Nintendo growing up, like the regular Nintendo? No. Uh, okay, there's this game called Mickey Mousecapades. It was just a, a shitty platformer like where you were Mickey Mouse. I remember it well. But you also played with Minnie Mouse. You were kind of crawling up ladders and whatnot. But the thing is, it wasn't like most platformers today, because here, the person could completely drag you back. So you'd be halfway up a ladder, but if Minnie Mouse, played by your little sister who's three, decided she wanted to walk over and look at some shit, you'd get pulled off the ladder. Sometimes I think you'd get pulled off the ladder right into a bad guy because of fucking Minnie Mouse. Right. So that's what this in, version in other of words, heaven of fucking is like. Bridget. Uh, because of or Bridget. Mandy. Well, it's not her fault she was three. It's no one's fault they're three. It's involuntary. Well, but I was three, but I wasn't pulling her up. I, w- I was playing this mini. But yeah, no. In this version of Heaven, you've got a three-year-old Cuba Gooding Jr. who can interrupt your unlimited power anytime he wants. It's like, all right, I'm going to fly, and I'm going to like paint the Mona Lisa while in flight. And then it's like, wait, whoa, whoa. It's like, oh, sorry, man. I wanted to go to Hooters today. So we're going to sit in Hooters because for some reason I have control of you in this non-free will version of God. Anyway. Father. 
father. Oh, uh, yeah. And then there, I, just like all the stuff with the um, all the stuff with the kids was just in, entirely contrived. Like and poorly acted. Yeah, and, yeah, and it was for emotional blackmailing, basically, to try and make you care about these characters more than you should. Yeah, and that daughter's a psychopath. Like, I get it. Like, kids are sensitive. A point well taken, but so poorly made here. What happens is the daughter's like one time you happen to compliment an Asian woman on a flight, and from then on, I wanted to be an Asian woman because I am a manipulative little shit, like. Honey, you got to get used to other people getting compliments, even from your parents. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that makes her a psychopath. No, no, I'm overreacting, but, like, it's such... I, it's an unbelievable detail. He complimented uh, yeah, a, a waitress when, he, when she was, like, eight or something like that. He, yeah, he, It wasn't even, like... It would have made more sense if he was, like, that Asian woman is so eloquent and well put together. And you're not, you 10-year-old little slob. That would have made sense. Oh, yeah, because then it would have been hurtful for her, and she would have wanted to be like that Asian woman. Yeah, it would have been hurtful. I, I think he said Oriental woman, too, which, I mean, it's just dating it. But oh, Yeah, that just makes him a racist. Well, it doesn't make somebody a racist. It's just a bad term. It's a problematic term to use because it, it characterizes the entire Orient uh, for all. Of, it's not. It's not racist. It's not like... Obviously, it's, somebody it's who says that is trying trying to do it the right way, but they just don't know better. Yeah, yeah it's it's insensitive. It's uh, it's uh, it's uh, it's not good. Not good. This guy is not good. Buddy, not good. <laughs> uh, what else do we got to say? Do you, do you want to go do uh, Metacritical, or should we uh, say more things? Uh, let's do Metacritical. Then maybe we'll think of other things to say. Yes. Uh, I don't. Well, I don't want it to be... First, we will do Metacritical in a second. But I don't want it to be understood that I don't like this movie. I really do like this movie. I just don't think it's very good. No, no. B- means you technically like it. And I would like to well, like I mean, it I just... I, I ranked it kind of highly at a B-. minus. I guess I probably shouldn't, but I'm not going to talk myself into down-ranking it just yet. But No, I know. And, and I'm on the opposite end. Like a child that made me a pretty decent macaroni drawing at the same time that it pooped itself. I just, its good intentions aren't quite enough to redeem its incompetence for me. Right. But I mean, it's also, it's its not horrible. It's not like a freaking um, The Good Son or something like that with Macaulay Culkin. I never saw that one. I think I saw it and it was just really bad. Okay, yeah, no, th- I mean, yeah, this one's not, it's not like it's ideologically bankrupt, it's bankrupt in all the ways of making films. All right, Metacritical, next. Metacritical, Rob's never gonna win. Metacritical, Brady's the victor again, Woo-hoo. So it's time to play. I'm gonna lose today Metacritical, yeah, it's time Time to play Hi everybody, welcome to Metacritical Which... Motherfucker, I'm gonna beat you No, 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 no No, no, no You won last time? Did I? I think so Okay Um. Well, I think that you 
should um have to go first then. Okay. So what um, are we starting off with this week? We're starting well since Robin Williams is the star of our featured movie What Dreams May Come, we're going to do Patch Adams. What did you call that movie? What Dreams May Come? Say that one more time. What Dreams May Come. It's Shakespeare, man. Okay. How could you Yeah, what I just don't see anything dirty about it. I just don't know. But anyway, so we're doing first Patch Adams. Patch Adams. Okay. Uh, you're going to go first. So what do you think Patch Adams is? I am going to go with the... No, oh, why don't I go with the 50? 50. 52 for me, then. Keeping it close. Okay. Check it out. 25. 25. God bless it. That is a terrible movie, ladies and gentlemen. That is a really... I, Robin Williams <laughs> is an icon. Do not see Patch Adams. I remember my grandmother used to let me reach in and squeeze the noodles. <laughs> the thing about that that trips me out is like, <clears throat> that would be uh, if they were soft noodles, like soft pasta noodles, then that would be boiling water. <laughs> so what you're saying is your grandmother stuck your hand in boiling pasta water and said, squeeze the noodles. That explains why... The movie is about an idiot fuck who is horrible for the medical profession. All right, so Philip Seymour Hoffman was in that, so our number two Yeah, in a totally thankless bad guy role where he's just like, I'm a bad roommate. Anyway, talented Mr. You gotta work with me, chief. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, which means I am the good guy of this piece and you have to look like shit. Okay, talented Mr. Ripley. Uh, I'm going to go with a nice, ooh, a 75. I was going to go with 80 on that. Because I think it was pretty well received. I think you're right. Yeah. Let's check it out. Talented Ellen Ripley. Did you spell it? R-I-P-L-E-Y? It looks like it comes up as a trailer, but it's not listed. Hmm. Oh. Okay. That's a 76. Yeah, it, it eventually works. Good job, Brady. You know how to use Metacritic. Why the fuck am I in the type of seat? And you were switching. You were 82? Yeah. So that puts me, let me see, you did 50 and I did 52, so that's two more than you. And then this is. There's eight between us. Yeah. Or wait, no, there's uh, seven between us. There's a chasm shaped like a seven between us. Seven. Brady, you're so far away. What are we doing next? Uh, Cold Mountain, starring Jude Law, Oscar nominee for the talented Mr. Ripley. Oh, you called both of those first, so I guess I got to do two first now because we're supposed to be alternating. Okay. Fucking Cold Mountain. I was going to take Chicago Becky, who was who was pretty cute. I uh, I was going to take her out to see, I think, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And um, it was sold out, so we had to see Cold Mountain, which was horrible. And I, to this day, I think it killed that fucking date. It it was horrible. Um, oh, also, uh, Cold Mountain and Talented Mr. Ripley, same director. Oh. And director of The English Patient. But not the same producer, right? Mm, I don't know. Because that was Paul's aunt's. Maybe. Who uh, used to not like coffee, so we started him on mochas. And then we got him from a mocha to a latte, and then from a latte to a cappuccino, and then eventually he was drinking Dobio Espresso's. By the end, and uh, eating eggle bagels with tomato instead of bacon. Yeah, Paul's hands. Yeah. Um, <coughs> at any rate, uh, 
Shit. Dude, that fucking... One time I get girl to a girl to go out with me. The one time that I get just like ask somebody out on a date. That oh, it's fucking awful. Um, and then she never talked to me again. <laughs> that happened so many times. Um, it's really hard to separate what I think the score should be from that incident. I'm gonna go with sixty-two. That sounds respectable. What's yours? I'll go. I'll go like a sixty-eight. Please be low. Please be low, but not that low. Fucking seventy-three? Are you kidding me? Yeah. With the backflipping villain on the fence, like crushing someone's hand. The fucking backflipping villain is. I'm just gonna stand on a fence post and do backflips. Jumping on on you while the fence post is like on your hand over and over again to torture you, but but I'm gonna do backflips to do it. Yeah, what? It's a Civil War movie. I mean, not that backflips weren't invented. <laughs> do by do then, you have a part? Do you have a scene in this movie where I can show off my gymnastic skills? Uh, well, I mean, it's not really that kind of movie. Can I, please? Well, it's not really. Please, like, all right. If you let us get shots of you just not doing backflips. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. No, yeah, it reminds me of the kind of hacky thing that over-exuberant artists do where they're like, oh, dude, that's a talent I didn't know you had. Hey, hey, uh, Paul, come here, come here, come here. All right, show him, show him. Well, yeah, can we use that in the film? It's like, well, I, I don't know, this is supposed to be a period before using it in the film. All right, run it. Yeah, and it's just like, yeah. And then it's just like, can we shoot some dailies of him just stomping on the fence? I mean, or maybe yeah, just torturing stomp this him. old woman's hand one more time. <laughs> or maybe torturing him in some other way, so that we can just and we can compare the dailies. Oh yeah, sure, we can do that. Uh, anyway, that's lunch. Uh, coming back to a new scene next after the end of this. Uh, so anyway, um, fuck, fucking a man. Uh, what's our next one? Oh, next, uh, Cinderella Man, starring Renee Zellweger. The Absolutely undeserved Oscar winner of Cold Mountain. <laughs> makes um, me so mad. I'm gonna to make day. you go first, even though uh, we missed the alternation. Okay, that's fair. I'm gonna go like a. I'm gonna go 76. Okay, I must be down like, like 11 or something. 80. 80. All right. Oh, it was already up on the screen. I could have cheated. Uh, 69. Oh wow, that's even lower than I thought it would be. Well, shit. What's the last one? Me, myself, and Irene. Oh, um, damn. I don't know how critics are gonna like that, but it's a good movie. I mean, it's like a solid comedy. You know, I I, I always thought it was fun. Fairly Brothers. Seventy. Seventy. <laughs> I don't think it's that high. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go like fifty. All right, this might be the breaker if it if it did well. Let's see what happens. Forty nine. Forty nine. Pretty, you you know this system too well. I am plugged into the system. Well, at least Patch Adams didn't get a better score than me, myself, and Irene. Yeah, no, no, that is a good thing. Anyway, let's go back to the yes. show. Oh, wait, do we want to count up the scores? or? Well, you won. Okay. Let's, let's there were scores. What's the score? Oh, okay, well, Final. this will take me a minute. 76 for Rob and... 39 for me. That's old brain al- arithmetic, too. That's, that's that old wh- school That's arithmetic. why it's always wrong. I actually won. 
Y'all heard it. Do the math yourselves. Play it. <laughs> All right, we'll play the right one. A Metacritical. I won again. Fuck you. All right, Brady. Uh, so do we have more to say? Because I, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, like... I don't know. I, I'm always in favor of like any little game that gives us kind of the gestalt. Not to throw a weird word in there. Like, what's what's the overall feeling on this? Like, uh, you know, up until this time seeing it, I thought it was like, ooh, it's a really pretty movie and it's got some cool ideas about death and the afterlife. Uh, very thought provoking. Very interesting. Everybody should see it. But now I'm not so sure everybody should see it. About I think a, a certain subsection of people should see it. I, I think mean, it's uh, a movie to be watched by certain people, I don't not feel people like, like you, because you like to see things that are m- more well done. No, that's not true. That like an actual like, even if it's incoherent, like there's a certain point to me where a coherent enough swell of emotion can overcome a lot. But in this case, I just didn't feel like most of even like the emotional feel. It all just was too yeah, scattershot. Yeah, it was some pretty cheesy canned stuff. Like, you know, anything where you end with, like, the kids. Like, basically, they they go away from the Cuba Gooding Jr. and the Oriental woman uh, thing. And, like, they just turn into giggling children. Like, and it just ki- cuts back and forth. between <laughs> Daddy, oh, and the dog's here. T-. Like, anytime you get that kind of sappy bullshit, you're just yeah. like... This is not Milo and Otis, and there were no kids in Milo and Otis, so why would I reference that for that reason? Uh, but it's also not good. Yeah, <laughs> and while we're on that messiness with the kids, why does the daughter turn back into herself but not the son? The son's just hanging out as Cuba Gooding Jr. The daughter like, is no longer an Asian woman. And I'm sorry, it actually feeds this, like, I don't want to say paranoia because that's way too dramatic, but this feeling that I have... They just stuck Cuba Gooding Jr. in there two years or so after his Oscar win for Jerry Maguire. And she's like, no, no, keep him on screen. Like, we're paying that asshole. Like, either way, like, keep the Cuba on screen. He's like, well, how about about this Asian chick? She's like the daughter. Like, well, who is she? I don't know. She's this Asian chick. We hired her to be the daughter. (laughs) Whatever. Loser. Loser for the cute kid. Bring back the cute kid. But keep the Cuba Gooding Jr. Yeah. Yeah, Because that uh, that little boy was a little shit. Looked like a football player. Looks like a football player. I don't yeah. like that. Oh, sorry, you but wanted bring, him bring to play. Back, a, I don't care. Give me some calzones. <laughs> bring back, bring back the the girl who looks like a boy who looks like the brother. Sir, yeah, no, you heard me. The girl is the brother who looks <laughs> like the girl. Now, come on, okay, line up this cocaine. Come on, baby, you first. No, no, she's been waiting in line. You wait your turn. <laughs> uh, I, I think there's uh, lawyers and rules against giving the children cocaine on the set. Ah, nah, nah, this is going to be an Oscar winner. All right, ready, baby? Now think Oscar winner as you think do Oscar that. Oscar winner, and then make sure to go do your homework right <laughs> after, okay? Right. Your private tutor's over there. Algebra. Right? <laughs> right. Okay, so what should we do next week? Ooh, um, I am going... You know what? I just went camping with uh, Jed and Julia, some friends, and he said he uh, supports our cast, but he hasn't listened to it because he doesn't like casts. So I thought maybe I could tempt him on the cast by doing one of his by, favorite by movies. By calling it a podcart. Yeah, by calling it a podcart. Uh, one of his favorite movies and also mine is Lawrence of Arabia. So I'm going to throw that out. Oh, man. Do we have... We're having enough trouble <laughs> getting 
the movie watched and the broadcast made? <laughs> Four hours. <laughs> oh my god, dude! You seriously want to do that? Well, maybe we can watch it and then invite him on. He's like he quotes it. Okay, I'm gonna throw out a Romanian film uh, called uh, what is it? That four weeks, three weeks, and two days, or four months, two weeks, and two days? <laughs> no, no, it's the first one. Four mu- four weeks, three, three days, weeks and, and two, two days. Four weeks, three days, and wait, four weeks. No, no three four weeks. months. Four weeks, no, three you, weeks. You carry and the two month, <laughs> and then it becomes a day. Yeah, no, that one. I'm gonna throw out that one. Oh heck, he's got my number. I've been suggesting this for ages. Let's let's watch that dour. Oh no, no, no. Uh, I want another suggestion from you. No, no, I uh, I'm another suggestion. A grizzly. That man. was my suggestion. Grizzly man's my other grizzly suggestion. Grizzly man's your other suggestion. My other suggestion. <laughs> scary. <laughs> he looks scary. What can I do? And then I'm just gonna mandate that it's so. Patch Adams. No. Okay, we'll do uh, the Romanian one. All right, all right. Which you're gonna have to introduce next time because I'll never fucking get it right. Four months, three weeks, and two days. Yeah, yeah. From 2007. Uh, uh, by director Christian Munju. All right. Well, that's the one. That's the one. Three, two, one. Mandy theme song. Carnivorous <laughs> couch. It happens once a week. It swallows us for two hours when we try to sleep. It forces us to watch a film about which we then speak. Carnivorous couch. With Brady and Rob. Robin Williams is trying to masturbate in heaven. He's like, oh, sorry. I just put a bunch of baseball thoughts into your head. Now we're going to go play bocce ball. No more whacking off today, father. You got to work with me, chief. I just don't see anything dirty about it.